So, here we are, another Mother's Day. And every Mother's Day, there's a lot of commentary about what women are like. Women like flowers, women like things that smell good. Uh, and some of these things are true, but there's a good deal more to motherhood than the gentility. There's a good deal more to it than the grace and the poise. As if waking up in the middle of the night to uh, feed a screaming baby is a situation in which anyone can be poised. Today I want to talk about the fierce side of motherhood. Fierce. This word has gained a lot of popularity recently um, as a way of talking about someone who is bold. Back in 2003, when I was in eighth grade, there was a 19-year-old girl named Kira Knightley who was working on a movie called Love Actually. And one of the producers asked her, so what else are you working on right now? Oh, some pirate thing, it probably won't go anywhere. It launched her career, it made her very wealthy and incredibly famous, and it gave her the freedom later on to do more serious films and also to start a family. Here on your right, you see her with her daughter. She wrote just a year or two ago a very moving essay to her daughter called The Weaker Sex that described in a way that few women ever do the horrors of childbirth. I'm not going to get into that because I do not want to traumatize everyone, but needless to say, it is a bloody and graphic account. Um, she talks about the irony of friends and family coming to visit her in the beauty of her new motherhood when she is kind of a mess and it's a very raw situation. And she, she talks about the pain of labor. She talks about um, her feelings about her daughter as she's looking at her for the very first time and how she would die for her how she would do anything for her daughter. Uh, she talks about how, she talks about the fierce side of motherhood. It's a very good essay. And she, she talks about, she talks about Kate Middleton who had her baby just the day afterwards and only seven hours after giving birth. Um, Kate, Kate Middleton was out there in the public eye dressed in heels, looking beautiful and perfect with her makeup done with the royal baby right there. And what Kira Knightley said about this is, okay, hide your battleground. Hide the battleground in which you created new life. Hide the battleground that was full of the, the pain, the sweat, and the gore to look pretty for the camera, to make it look easy. After all, birth happens every day. But Kira Knightley also brings up, so does death. And we're actually allowed to feel something about that. We're allowed to be raw about that. New life 
Bringing new life into the world is a raw battle. It is a warrior's fight. It is a battleground. It is fierce. I could sort of sense behind me as the scripture reading went past, oh yikes, we're talking about that story today? Either I've never heard that story, or we're going to talk about that at the 11 o'clock hour at church? Yes, we are. Because this is actually a really amazing story. Um, I was originally going to talk about Deborah, who describes herself as a mother in Israel. But the more I read into the passage, the more I realized that, no, we need to talk about jail on Mother's Day because she is truly a mother here. So let's get into the part of the Song of Deborah that I have selected for us today. Yes, there's a prose version. You can read it before the song. But I like the poem ever so much better because of how it clarifies certain things. Turn with me to your message notes. Judges 5, verse 24. Some scholars, by the way, think that this is one of the oldest parts of the Old Testament. Uh, Very old, because it is written as a song. Definitely older than the rest of the book of Judges. Judges is a crazy book. After you read it, you will never think of the Bible the same way again. Everything happens in Judges. Everything. It's worth checking out. If you, if you are in the camp that thinks the Bible is dull, just read Judges. Everything, everything you could possibly ask for in an exciting story is in there. And this one is no exception. All right. Most blessed among women is Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. Blessed is she among women in tents. He asked for water. She gave milk. She brought out cream in a lordly bowl. She stretched her hand to the tent peg, her right hand to the workman's hammer. She pounded Sisera. She pierced his head. She split and struck through his temple. At her feet, he sank. He fell, he lay still. At her feet he sank, he fell. Where he sank, there he fell dead. Sounds a little repetitive, yes? But it's repetitive when they're trying to emphasize something. That is the way of Hebrew poetry. If you've ever read through any of the Psalms and wondered, why do they keep repeating the same thing over and over again? Because they really care about that thing. So there's some things that are emphasized here through repetition. And the big thing that's being, that's being hammered in here, whoa, poor choice of words, uh, <laughs> is jail as a mother, as a mother. I didn't think about it that way the first time I read through this. I had to be sixth or seventh grade when I read the Bible through for the first time. And when I read this story, I thought, weird. Cool, why is it in here? And moved on. But later on, I did some more reading, and let's think about this for a second. He asked for water, she gave milk. That's a very motherly thing to do, to 
offer this nourishing drink. She brought out cream in a lordly bowl. She even presented it nicely with that attention to visual detail. Um, in, the, in the prose version of this story, she also tucks him in. She covers him up. She tucks him in, in ever so nicely. And when we get to the dreadful deed, he falls at her feet. Nowadays, women give birth with their legs in the air. This makes no sense to me because the poor infant has to fight to get out. In those days, women gave birth standing up or squatting and would fall at the woman's feet, usually caught by a midwife. So this imagery here, this imagery here is saying that she mothered him to death. She mothered him to death. And the Bible doesn't say it's a bad thing either. Because motherhood is both nurturing and fierce. Both. There's a great deal of debate in parenting circles between, or at least there was 10 years ago, I don't keep up like I should, between the tiger mother, the tiger mother who is fierce about making sure that her kid does her very best and about the nurturing mother who um, is very loving and supportive. These things are not mutually exclusive. These things go together. Motherhood is both nurturing and fierce, and both are absolutely necessary in the world. Um, and I know that I have absolutely zero authority to speak on this since I am not myself a mother. I'm just going to throw that out there because I know some of you are thinking, are thinking it. Um, how dare this childless person talk about motherhood at all? Um, but what I can tell you is that the longer I'm in youth work, the longer I'm in youth work, the less I feel like my charge is buddy, and the more I feel like a protective relative. And I think that's a good change, because friends are nice, buddies are nice, but your kids have friends and buddies their own age. They also need protectors. They also need fierce love. Fierce love. And that's something that you don't have to be physically or biologically a mother or even a woman to give. A man can be nurturing and fierce, and a woman can be nurturing and fierce. And there's a reason why these things are necessary. I was originally going to skip this part of the story because I didn't see how it fit in, but now I do. Judges 5, verses 28 through 30. The mother of Sisera looked through the window. This is the guy that Jael just killed. And cried through the lattice. Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why tarries the clatter of his chariots? Her wisest ladies answered her. Yes, she answered herself. Are they not finding and dividing the spoil to every man a girl or two, for Sisera, plunder of dyed garments, plunder of garments embroidered and dyed, two pieces of dyed embroidery for the neck of the looter. 
Let me paraphrase this, because this is terrible. Jael had good reason to kill Sisera, because he was after that which is precious. He was after the young women of Israel. He was after the treasured heirlooms of Israel. If we were in an ideal world, if we were in an ideal world, parents could, children could grow up without parents and be safe, but they can't. They can't. Parents have to be protective because the world is not ideal. A mother is fierce to protect what is important, what is vital in this world. Our children, yes, all you kids, are the greatest treasure we have. The greatest treasure. You are our hope for the future, no pressure. You are the embodiment of our hopes and dreams for the future. And we want to see you grow up and thrive. But for that to happen, we have to keep you safe. Basically, what's being described here, are they not finding and dividing the spoil to every man, a girl or two? I wish I could say that this was just a practice of ancient warfare and that it has absolutely nothing to do with our day. I wish I could say that our children are perfectly safe from being kidnapped or sold as slaves. But this is a reality of our day. Even as close by as Covina, trafficking is a thing. Perhaps some of you have seen me blow my top whenever I see a Sabbath school room open with children playing in it and no adult in sight. There is a reason for that. <laughs> I love your kids and I want them to live happy, healthy lives. And unsupervised children are a recipe for multiple kinds of disaster. Let's say that the, 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 the terrifying word trafficking isn't even a, a, in the picture here. If one of them gets a concussion and there's no adult in sight, <laughs> Who's going to call 911 to make sure that they turn out all right? I'm not saying this to shame parents. No. That's hard. What you do is hard. The hardest thing any human being takes on. What I'm saying is that we have a communal responsibility as a community of adults to all be guardians and protectors of our children. Every last one of us. Every last one of us has a responsibility to help our children thrive, to be the village that raises the child, to be the village that loves and supports and fiercely protects our little ones. If you have no children or if your children are grown, there is still a work of parenting for you to do in being a protector of children. And that is a beautiful thing because the ferocity of parenting is to protect these valuable treasures 
that have been entrusted to us. I don't take that trust lightly. The thing I find interesting about this, as well as that to, to Sisera's mother's maid, she spends more time talking about the dyed garments than she does about the girls. In this woman's mind, the child is no more important than the luxury goods the enemy has to offer. There are people out there who see human beings as nothing more than commodities. And sometimes we see ourselves as commodities, but we are not. Each one of us, young and old, newborn to the very end of life, are precious, unique, valuable treasures made in God's image, masterpieces crafted lovingly by his hand, intricately knitted, intricately woven, infinitely precious and valuable in his sight. So let us watch out for each other. The poem ties up with Judges 5, verse 31. Thus let all your enemies perish, O Lord, but let those who love him be like the sun when it comes out in full strength. So the land had rest for 40 years. The whole thought of a mother being ferocious scares some people. Consider the number of mothery villains in children's entertainment. The wicked stepmother, the evil queen. It goes on and on. Mother Gothel. It goes on and on. But in the Bible, it's saying that a mother's ferocity is a good thing, a necessary thing, something that God needs. God needs fierce mothers. What Jael did was not just considered acceptable, but praiseworthy. Violent? Sure. Ferocious? Definitely. But necessary. That protective instinct is something God needs. Jesus once talked about how he wished he could be a mother hen, gathering Jerusalem like chicks around him to protect them. It is said that if there's a fire, if there's a fire, a mother hen will cover all of her chicks and rather let herself be burned than have anything happen to her precious little chicks. That is fierce motherhood, and that is Jesus' character repeated in nature. All of us who have any sort of power, all of us who have any sort of privilege, and just being an adult is a privilege that has power, have the power to be a mother hen who protects the chicks of the world, the helpless, the small, the weak, 
who will one day, perhaps, grow up to be a protector as well. When I was growing up, every Mother's Day, I went with my extended family to honor all of the mothers. And, oh, there were almost as many presents given out that day as at Christmas or someone's birthday because there was my great-grandma Annabelle, my grandmother Sandy, my Aunt Doreen, my cousin Amy, my cousin Chrissy, my mom, my Auntie Lisa. That's a lot of women. And I always understood why they got presents. But the thing that perplexed me was why I, a teenager with no children, got presents. Like, what's that all about? That's super confusing. Um, do you know something I don't? Uh, and I actually asked about this once, and, and you know, well, she's a future mother, and I'm like, how do you know? Yeah, you're my dad, you probably know me better than anyone else in this world, but how do you know I'll ever have kids? We all have kids. They may not live in our homes. They may not be our personal financial responsibility. But we all have kids. We all have care of the children in our lives. We all have a responsibility to help them thrive. And by including me in the Mother's Day celebrations, what my family was trying to tell me, I think, was we have mothered you. Now pass that along. Take all of the love and goodwill that we've poured into you and pass it on to someone else. Pay it forward. When a couple has children, they're creating something that lasts beyond themselves. And whether you have children or not, investing in the children that are in your life is leaving behind something beautiful that will last long beyond yourself. Something that will last long after you are gone. Something that will make the future better something that will make the world a little bit brighter. Let's pray. Precious Lord, thank you so much, both for nurturing us and for fiercely protecting us. Lord, I thank you for the hard work and the sacrifice of every mother in here who has given of her time, sweat, blood, and tears to ensure that the next generation lives and knows you. Lord, help us to pay that incredible sacrifice forward. Make us nurturing and fierce caretakers of the next generation. Help us to love all children and defend them as though they were our own. In Jesus' name, amen.